Hey everyone, this is the video you've probably been waiting for when I talk with Brian Lebo. It's about the single family home market in Vegas. So how you doing, Brian? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So man, it's been like six months in a row. So let me guess, <laughs> Vegas set another record. Let me guess. Uh, let me think about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it did. yeah. I mean, it, of course, right? Why of not? Course. It's not like we're in a pandemic. It's not like we have unemployment. Of course, Vegas is killing it. Yeah, the strip is killing it, right? I mean, come I mean, on. Killing it. <laughs> killing it. I mean, who needs to be open Monday through Thursday? There's plenty of money to go. Around. That's just how you roll. You can get all the business yeah. done in three days. It's pretty amazing. There's credit, right? <laughs> it's credit. Oh, man. Oh, uh, so yeah. So if you guys haven't figured out, episode one was kind of a downer. Uh, but yeah, this, this is it's amazing. So uh, give us some stats. What is going on with single family? And this is for November, right? Yeah. So this is going to be reflective of November sales. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's just so absurd. Sometimes I just have to laugh, but so yeah. So from a sales standpoint, um, I mean, this was pretty much just completely unprecedented um, we're just continuing to move forward. So November sales, I'm looking at the numbers right now. Uh, we sold 2,815 homes. That means nothing until I explain to you that that was a 26% increase year over year. 20. Let me get this right. 26%. You sold more homes in 2020 than you did in 2019. We're talking about November. Yeah, so no, last no, November, yeah. yeah. Last November, we sold 2,233 homes. This November, we sold 2,815. So that's a 26% increase over the same time last year in the middle of a pandemic with unemployment, <laughs> second worst in the economy. So again, some, some things don't that, subscribe to I, logic. I, let's just say I wouldn't have guessed that. I'm right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so here's what's really interesting is, you know, when you look, when I reflect back on month to month through this year, yeah. before March, before March, we were on the same exact trajectory. So looking at January, January, we sold 25% more homes than we did the year before. February, we sold 27% more homes than the year before. Then of course we hit the pandemic and then all the numbers just slide, slide, slide. We didn't get positive until I think we're looking at July. Okay. We were up 3% coming, at, but obviously yeah. that was because we had been depressed. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then we were down again, 10.2, but look, um, you know, we had September 18%, October 11%, and then November of 26%. So well, here's the deal. You were, you're selling more, but that just means prices are way down, right? Of course, <laughs> right? Of course. Yeah. So let me put it this way. There's no bargains to be found in Vegas. So, all right, let's talk about median sales price. So another month, um, I mean, we've gone up every single month in median home price. I mean, I'm looking at it. April was the last time the median price didn't go up, April. So we went up, we were up $5,000 month over month. We're up to 345,000. Now that from November of last year to November of this year, that's a 13.1% increase in just one year in the middle of a pandemic. I don't make the numbers. I, I have no words. <laughs> not, it's not like it's even bad math, right? Because sometimes you can get an artificial pop in price by low transactions, right? You get one monster right. sale that kind of pulls stuff up. But you already just told us we're up 26%. So in sales. Yeah. And these are, and again, these aren't averages. These are the median. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, oh. it's very indicative. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the market is humming along. Um, I mean, again, you got record low interest rates. 
somehow, some way, in, in spite of our local economy not doing well, mm-hmm. people are still buying cars, people are still buying houses. You know, the cars to me is surprising. The housing, you could make some logic out of that in the sense that because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. because we've all been spending more time at home, now that's become much of a higher priority. So I could understand in some capacity why there is a demand for better housing by the individual, sure. but that doesn't necessarily explain why everyone's spending money on cars and, and retail and other yeah. issues. But yeah, well, that, that's just amazing. So um, the next thing, if you don't know, it's okay, but this is a question I knew I wanted to ask you after I watched your awesome video is when you look at the transaction you or your office is doing, how many of them where one side, I guess it would be the buyer is outside the area, right? How many people are truly moving? Is it like 50, 50, 60, 40? What, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, I don't have the actual number. I mean, we would actually need to get numbers from the DMV as far as your net um, sure, just, uh, influx, you know, just um, but yeah, I will say it's a tremendous, tremendous amount of activity from out of state buyers. Again, like we've talked about this before, Vegas has always been a destination primarily from California, but we've always had people from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vegas specifically is very, very in demand for people to migrate to. So we've always had that, but especially this year, like we just discussed, a lot of people can't afford Yeah in California, the space that they need that or that they feel that they require at this point, people working remotely just go, well, why am I here spending this kind of money? Yeah. So, I mean, and, and more to the point is that I think a lot of this median price going up has to do with, we're also covering a lot of higher end transactions because exactly. the people that are moving here are, are bringing some element of wealth. And like I started tracking after the pandemic, you know, I, I do on my on my monthly update videos, um, I added a segment where I break down housing saturation by price range. Yeah. And it's, an, it's important because everywhere in the country, we know that low end housing is at a minimum. So, I mean, that's that's pretty Captain Obvious right there. <laughs> but and so I would expect there to be a high level of saturation on the low end. But when you start seeing over one point five million dollars performing two to three times better than the historical model, that tells you something. And to me, that's really, really indicative, especially considering the local economy. And that I I really do feel that has a tremendous amount to do with out of state buyers coming here and looking for a better quality of life. Um, And again, you know, to someone from the Bay, 1.5 million, you know, that's, that's the average home price there. Whereas here, you know, that buys you an estate. So Um, I, I definitely think it's a lot to do with out of state. Yeah. So folks, if you're not following Brian Lebo, you must follow him. That breakdown he does is is so telling, right? Zero to 250, 250, 500, so on and so forth. So what channel, what is the name of your channel? Because people have to be following you. Yeah. So if you want to watch me on YouTube, like I said, every month I put out update videos, whenever there's something that's pertinent to the real estate market, then I'll make a special video. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can follow me um, on YouTube, The Lebo Group. The Lebo Group. Just type in the Lebo Group. You'll get my channel. Please subscribe. And then you'll get those monthly updates and I can keep you abreast as far as what's going on with our local economy and the housing market. Yeah. One of the, my, one of my takeaways from watching, because again, I watch you every month, month when those come out was when I looked at the numbers, the breakdown, I was like over 500 to a million. I'm like, that's the California buyer, right? That's the, that's the per- pretty much anybody leaving California probably got a couple hundred grand of equity just because that's what happens here. 
and you know you can go into a house and then when you look at the breakdown of saturation as you call it yeah it, it it's real man is these out-of-state buyers but the question i have for you back to episode one these out of work from home buyers the mm -hmm. retirees baby boomers whatnot they're not when they come they're not really impacting the local economy like we did in episode one they're not going to the strip they're not going to conventions right they're just i mean what are, i mean yeah, so one of the misconceptions a lot of people have about Las Vegas is, you know, a lot of people, if, if I travel around the country or the world, people actually believe that we leave, we live on top of the casinos. Yeah. And so it's, <laughs> you have to actually, you know, break that down at first and, and yeah. it's actually a normal world outside yeah. of the strip. Outside so, a couple square miles, it's normal. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, Vegas is a wonderful place to live. Yeah. And honestly, you know, if you've traveled anywhere, things tend to be pretty relative. I mean, yeah. the suburbs of here are going to be the suburbs of there. Suburbs are suburbs, you know, urban areas will definitely have some differences. Suburbs tend to be suburbs. And the suburbs of Las Vegas are very wonderful and yeah. very normal. Um, so yeah, the, the misconception is most of the people that I know, most people in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. we don't spend very much time on the strip unless sure. we work there, unless you're in an industry. Um, I rarely ever go to the strip anymore. Yeah. And, and we, we spend our money in the local areas. So for the people, let's say you are a gambler and you love gambling and you move to Vegas, you're not likely going to drive down to the Bellagio or to the MGM and deal with all the pain in the butt that goes along with it. We've got local casinos. So station casinos is one of the largest uh, groups. So everywhere you live, there's a station casino. So most people, if you really are into gambling, you just drive down the street and go mm. to your local casino and then you get your rewards, you get your points, you get freebies. So mm. there's a misconception there. You know, the strip is really, really, that's for you guys, right? That you pay our taxes, <laughs> but the locals aren't really doing much down there unless we go to see a show or need to do sure. specific shopping. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to get back to when we're discussing housing, like we just talked about statistics, it doesn't always tell the whole story. Like you said, that 500 to 750, that's the California market. Mm. One of the things that the statistics aren't really showing is this. When we're talking about 500 to 750, the truth is that's pretty much the bulk of brand new homes being built in Las Vegas. Oh. So one thing that you have to be careful of is this. <laughs> the statistics that I show are for resale homes. So when I show resale homes under 250, I mean, there's not much under 250. Most, the entire market, I mean, 80% of our market on the resale is 250 to 500. Mm. Now, here's what you have to understand is I've been to Vegas almost 30 years and up until about 2005 or six, it was easy to buy a brand new affordable home. That's what our city was built upon. And they haven't, like, if you want a 1500 square foot single story home in a nice neighborhood, they haven't built that in 15 years. Like you're not gonna find that. It just doesn't exist anymore. So when we're discussing that saturation, the problem is there's so much pressure on the lower end because there's no new homes to help absorb that demand. Now, when we're talking 500 to 750, I mean, I would say that's like the majority, at least in the nicer areas, the majority of homes are falling in that price range. So when you see the saturation level on the resale market, that number is actually tremendously higher because a lot of that is being pushed over into brand new home builds. 
So again, you know, if you're moving from the Bay and you've lived in your home for 20 years and it was built in 1947, the, the promise of having a brand new home uh, specked out your way is huge for people. And so a lot of people just instinctively just go right towards a brand new home. And that's like the primary market, you know, in Vegas is right around that price range in the better areas. Yeah. So, so one more question on this topic. We, I think we talked about um, the Palms, right? The Palms Towers, no longer being able yeah. to get loans on them. And I yeah. think we talked about, you. I think there was one just below 200 grand last time we talked, or maybe it was 180. Yep. Yep. So yep. Where, where are those now? Are there other condo towers that may be interesting opportunities for folks that well, you're hearing about? That one's a little unique. So, so one of the huge topics um, in Las Vegas has to do with Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just an article a couple of days ago regarding Airbnb and, and more specific to what we're talking about right now. Um, MGM, I sold a couple of them. They were called the residences back mm-hmm. in the day. And it was a condo tell. So if you don't know, condo tells are basically you own a hotel room. So you own it, but you don't have the ability to change things out because it has to be uniform. So the concept is that you own this hotel room, you have access to this hotel room whenever you want, but when you aren't using it, you don't have to actively be involved. You can just put it into the pool for that hotel and then they'll rent the the unit out for you. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to recapture um, some of your operating income uh, without having to really be too involved. You know, typically they take 50%, which is really high. Yeah. So it's definitely better for you to manage it yourself. However, um, it's an easy way of doing it. So the Palms Place is one of these ventures where it was a condo tell. Um, they're unique in the sense that you can't finance any of the units. So anytime you can't obtain financing for any vehicle in real estate, the value of that vehicle tends to plummet because there's obviously a shorter pool of people who have cash to pay for it. So units that were going for 380 are now depressed down to 200,000 roughly. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely some good opportunities there, but the Palms as a hotel itself is not operating. Obviously that's not gonna last forever, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't know of any other um, uh, condo hotels that have lost their financing. This particular situation was unique to Palms. Okay. But it's one of the few areas that you can Airbnb because in Las Vegas, they've shut down uh, Airbnb. So you cannot operate Airbnb unless you are grandfathered in with a license. And I believe once those expire, they're not going to re-up. Uh, yeah. So the only way you can Airbnb is if the unit or the property is located within the resort corridor that's zoned for that. Um, and we'll see how much longer they allow this, especially with Vegas and these hotels hurting. Yeah. hurting. The last thing they need is competition from anywhere outside. It's a small part but no one wants competition if they don't have to deal yeah. with Yeah, there's already enough pain. Yeah, there's yeah. already enough pain. All right, uh, we're going to get excited for episode number three where you can help people learn the Vegas market because so many people want to come in and be landlords there. So we will uh, we'll talk yes, about indeed. buy and hold landlording in episode number three. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank you for watching this episode, everyone.